Hey, we are glad you're here with us this morning, and especially for those who've accepted an invitation to come from family and friends, you are welcome here. Um, and maybe you're here because you're looking for community, and maybe you're looking for purpose or meaning or some friendships, and maybe you've had a bad impression about the church. Maybe growing up you thought church was boring. Maybe you're somebody who got hurt by the church at some point in your life. And man, I, I, I hope that your experience here this morning is totally different and has already changed your perspective. We are a group of people who, like, we, we're not into religion. Like, that's, that's not who we are. But, but we're just people who, man, we love Jesus with everything in us. And we're people who just want to be just like him. And so today, there's kind of a challenge for you to those who are new with us. And the challenge is this. Why not introduce church back into your life? Or why not reintroduce church back into your life? And maybe you have good reason not to. So why not introduce Jesus into your life? Like, why, why not reintroduce Jesus into your life? As a church, we're, we're kind of going through the Bible, and, and right now we're in the book of Luke, and we're just going verse by verse. And we've been noticing some things in the book of Luke. Jesus has this love and this care and this special attention to those who are lonely, to, to those who are known as the outcasts of society, to those who are a little bit different, to the poor and to the widow. Now, we're only on chapter, uh, chapter 3, but today I want to skip over to chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me? So Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be reading from verse 11 onwards. And if you don't have a Bible, you can pick up one of these blue Bibles that are in your pews. And the second half of the book, you can turn to page 74. And if you don't own a Bible, please come and talk to me. I'd love to get you a Bible. As we kind of read through the story, I'm going to ask you to picture yourself in the story. We're told a little bit earlier in this chapter that there is these tax collectors and these sinners and these Pharisees who, who are, they're gathered around Jesus to hear him preach. And Jesus is known for just attracting all sorts of people, all different kinds of people from uh, People who have these morally questionable backgrounds. Uh, people who were really rough around the edges. Little white lies here and there. Or, or people who are just going to, hey, we're just going to take a shortcut here and there. And if, if nobody's looking, then it's not a big deal. He also attracted people who were just living life on their own. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And rules were made to be broken. I mean, he attracted those kinds of people. And then even on the complete opposite 
he attracted these Pharisees, these really religious people, people who are really well-kept, well-groomed, and they're known to follow rules, and they're known to make up even more rules on top of those rules, and they followed those rules, and then they told everybody that they followed those rules, and then they told everybody else how they weren't following the rules. And so there's some tensions between the groups of people who are around Jesus. And Jesus now, he tells this story, and he's, gonna, he's just going to cut through the heart of both of these groups and totally change how they see themselves, how they view others, and how they connect with God. And I want to tell you this morning that if you will understand what Jesus is saying about yourself and how to connect to him, it'll change your life forever. Let's read together from verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screen as well. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, Man, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the, fa the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he said, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a great story. Jesus, he, he tells the story of a father and his son. Jesus, he starts off the story with some scandalous information about his son. The younger, the younger boy, he goes up to his dad and he demands his inheritance right away. So I want to ask you a question this morning. When do people normally get an inheritance? When your parent dies, right? Like when your father dies. And so Jesus, he, he begins to paint this picture of this younger son who walks up to his father. And really what he's saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. It's a pretty dysfunctional family. And then the son goes on to say, give me your money. Listen, Dad, I'll be out of your life. You be out of my life. And for some people here this morning, this might be your story. Maybe you were on the receiving end of those words. Maybe you said those words to yourself. Maybe you heard your son or your daughter say those words to you. Maybe there was some loved one, someone who was really close, say to you, hey, man, I just wish you were dead. And that's not even the craziest part of this story. I mean, you would expect the dad to react how your mom and dad would probably react, right? Like, give me your money? Like, give me my money. You want me to give you my money. How about go get a job and get out of the house? But the father complies. And his younger son heads off to this faraway place, right? He goes to Vegas and he's gambling and he's with women and he's drinking, doing who knows what. And he squanders everything that he has. But now the money runs out. And when the money runs out, the friends run out. And when the friends run out, the fun runs out. He doesn't want to admit that he's wrong. So he does the most degrading thing that a Jewish boy can do. And he feeds pigs. He's, he's not just feeding pigs now. He becomes envious of the pigs. And just like that, he goes from the penthouse to the outhouse. But he makes a plan to go back home. This younger son thinks that, you know, you can find happiness if you're able to do whatever you want to do. He thinks that, hey, if I can answer to no one, if I can be my own boss, if I can do whatever I want, however I want, then I'll get happiness. Then I'll find fulfillment for my life. And if we're really honest with ourselves, this is the way our culture works, isn't it? The younger son thinks, in order for me to do what I want to do, I'm going to have to rebel. 
And so he rebels against his father and his brother and his ancestors and the way of life that he's been brought up. And this younger son is this rebellious son. And he thinks that in his rebellion, he's going to find freedom. And he's going to find happiness. I want to ask you this morning, are, are you this younger son in the story? Are you the younger son? Does anyone here struggle with authority? Nobody. Maybe with employers or maybe with the police or maybe with parents. And... Or what about this? How about the natural ways that things are supposed to work? Like your body is only able to handle certain amounts of food. And we're like, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to eat whatever I want when I want. What about your money? I mean, do you spend your money any way you want? What about sex or pornography or drinking or drugs? I mean, if any part of you says, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, then you have that younger son inside of you. I mean, we think that if we rebel and live any way we want to, we'll, we'll eventually find freedom and, and we'll find happiness. And you might for a short time. But when has enough ever been enough? I mean, we're kind of stupid. Right. We say, I, I was never satisfied with a little, so I'm going to add more. And we fail to find purpose in our lives. And we fail to find meaning in our lives. And we're just not happy. So imagine that you're the younger son. And you're in the pigsty. And you realize, hey, I, I've screwed up. Man, I've screwed up royally. Now, I've been selfish, I've squandered my father's money, I've disrespected dad, and I've brought shame to the family. And this son thinks, my, my only hope at this point is to go back home, and maybe my dad will let me be a hired hand, and maybe my dad will let me pay back my debt. And so this son, who is now full of pain, and regret, and remorse, he begins walking back home. Can you imagine what he's feeling? Like, how am I going to be received? What is dad going to say to me? Jesus' audience would have expected the story to end with the father shunning his younger son, his younger son. Because once you leave the family, that's it. Like, you're out. You shouldn't even be thinking about coming back home. And I wonder if the younger son is thinking, man, I, I told dad that he was dead to me. When I go back home, he's probably going to look at me and say, son, you're dead to me. And no one would blame the father for that. And the son is hoping his dad would have enough grace to say, here's a shovel, get to work. 
And so you're this son, and now you've decided to, to turn around and, and go back home, and you see your father, and now, now he's running towards you, right? And if I'm the younger son, that's probably not a good sign. His father is running, and his arms are going back, and as the son, I'm wondering if he's, like, embracing, like, what's about to happen? And instead of getting the smack that you deserve, it's this embrace. It's this hug. There's kisses on you. And the father only shows love and compassion and concern and this great forgiveness for his son. And I'm sure the son rehearsed this speech over and over in his head, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and Father, I have sinned against you. And it probably didn't even make any difference to the Father because the Father is yelling, hey, go get the robe. Hey, go get the ring. Hey, go get those shoes. And right away, we, we realize that this Father isn't bringing the Son back as a hired hand. He's welcoming him back into the family. He's welcoming him back as a son. The father is restoring his son into the family, and he is rejoicing, saying, my son is home. The son doesn't get condemnation. He gets rejoicing. The son doesn't get penalized. He gets forgiven. He doesn't get the anger of the father. He gets this joy. So what the son gets is grace. He doesn't deserve that party. But the father won't have this any other way we are going to party. This is a story about a father and a son. But there's another son in this story. And as we talk about him, you need to ask yourself, am I the older brother in this story? See, the older brother, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Right? He's out there and he's out in the field and he's working hard and he hasn't left and he's good and he's been faithful to the family. He's the faithful son. And now as he's working, he begins to hear the music. He hears, begins to hear some laughter and begins to hear the party that's going on and a servant comes to him and says, your brother's home. And he gets angry. And he gets mad, not because his brother is home, but because he gets a party. And he doesn't want to go in. And so he's angry. He's mad. His father comes out to him, and his father asks him to come inside, like, come to the party. And his older son looks at his daddy, and he says, look. If that was me in the story, the story would have ended right there. The story would have been like, and they wept and mourned for the older son. Like that's (laughs) probably what would have happened. But the older son says, look, dad, look at all the stuff that I did. Like look at all the good things that I have done. You've done nothing for me. And here's my brother, and, and this guy goes out living the high life with women and drinking and all this other stuff, but I'm the one who is faithful. 
I want to tell you how Jesus deals with the older brother is just as important and just as gracious as he deals with the younger brother. This younger brother was this rebellious son. But that older brother was this religious son. Are you the older brother? You know, the heart of the older brother is that he has this sense of entitlement, right? He's followed all the rules. He's been faithful. He's been good. Like, like look at all the stuff that I've done and you didn't do anything for me. Like, you owe me something. There's a lot of people, and I think there's some people here today who think that, that God owes you something. God owes you something for being good. God owes you? There's a lot of people who think that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on a good path. I'm okay. Everything's okay with me because I'm a good person. Good in the eyes of who? Your neighbors? Compared to your siblings? Compared to other people that you see around? God, look how I've lived. You owe me. And if you're really honest, some of you are here and you're like, that might be me. I mean, I go to church, I pray. I read my Bible. God, you owe me this good life. Are, are you hoping to be with the Father because you're a good person? If you are, then maybe you're the older brother. And this morning I want to tell you, if you identify with the younger brother, your answer isn't to become the older brother. There are some people who think, I'm, I'm just like the younger brother, and I need to become like the older brother. No, you don't. You couldn't be further from the truth. I'm going to ask Tim to come as we prepare to close the service this morning. So what's the answer to all of this? Remember, we were talking about this section of Scripture, and we said that this was a story about a father and a son, but there's another son in the section of Scripture that we read. He's not the one who's in the story. He's the one who's telling the story. Jesus, later on in John chapter 14, he says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to come back home, and if you want to come to the Father, the only way that you can do that is by coming to Jesus. And at the end of the day, what we need is not to be like the younger son. It's not to be like the older son. It's to be like Jesus. It's to be with Jesus. It's to have this relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be this rebellious son to find freedom for your life. You can find freedom for living in Jesus. 
You don't need to be this religious son who's trying to earn freedom. You can find freedom for living in Jesus. We don't need to be this rebellious son. We don't need the religious son, but what we need is the redeeming son. And some of you here this morning, and you might realize that, man, you might be that younger son. You're trying to live life your own way, and at the end of the day, you're not happy. You haven't found purpose for your life. You haven't found meaning for your life. Jesus is the better son in the story. He's the son who goes out looking out for the lost. He's the son who goes out looking for the broken. He's the son who's going out and looking for the lonely and the poor and the outcast and the tired and the weary and the sick. And he's the son who loves you just like the father. He loves you to such great lengths that he would even go and die on a cross for you so that you would have an opportunity to come back to the father. If there's nothing that you get from this talk this morning, I will tell you that this world will leave you empty. And this world will leave you broken. And this world has no qualms about leaving you lonely. And for a lot of us here today, if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, that's me. I've been living my life just any way I want to, and I need to come back to the Father. Some of you here today, you've been searching for purpose in your life. You've been searching for meaning in your life. You've been searching for freedom in your life, and you've been looking in all the wrong places. I'm telling you, it's with Jesus. So wherever you are right now, God wants you to turn away from your sin. Just come home to him. So I encourage you today, give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus because there is no other way home. There's no other way back to the Father. It is through Jesus. There are other people here today who would say, man, I've been trying to earn my way to the Father's heart. I've been trying to earn favor with the Father by doing stuff. And that if that's you, you need to come back to the Father. Jesus is the Son who loves like his Father, who is so full of grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness, and he's just waiting for you to turn and come right back home. I want to tell you this morning that God loves you, and he wants you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you've been with. You don't need to come back to God by trying to work your way back to him. He loves you as his son. He will love you as his daughter the way you are right now. This is called grace. And if you will turn and come back to him, you can receive that grace. 
and you can receive that forgiveness and you can experience this love that you've never experienced before in your life. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you guys would come forward. And church, would you stand with me today? Just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I want to tell you, don't wait till you hit rock bottom to come back home. Don't wait until it's too late to come back to the Father. No matter where you've been or what you've been doing, you can always go before the Lord and say, Hey, Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up. Would you help me out of this mess? See, God is patient and he is gracious with his children. And he wants to welcome each of us back home into his loving and forgiving arms. But you know, I believe this is the day that a lot of you need to come back. Not to church, you need to come back to God. Some of you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe you realize through this talk that this older boy describes you. Maybe you realize through this talk that this younger boy describes you and, and man, you've been looking for peace and you've been looking for purpose and meaning. And if that's you today and you want to know this Jesus who is ready to give you his peace, and if you want to know this Jesus who is ready to forgive you of your sins and your wrongdoings, then I'm just going to ask that you say this prayer in your heart this morning. Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I have made mistakes. I know that I am a sinner. Would you forgive me? I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you paid for my sins, that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. And so I turn away from my sin right now. I leave my past behind. I turn to you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my friend, as my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.